Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm on the road a couple days this week, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to have as much content as usual for next week, but we always get the time-sensitive stuff out there. So anything that's like a pre-order window opening or you know something that you really need to know about right away, we'll definitely get to that. I don't think we've ever really missed anything important like that. But if it's not time-sensitive, it might just wait a few days and get pushed back to the week after next or something like that. But I just wanted to let everybody know if you see a drop-off in content, everything's fine. I'm just uh, working on other retro RGB related stuff that of course I'll have more info on when it's done but anyway let's jump in and see what's going on this week. First up Marshall has just released a new firmware for the Ultra HDMI kit that fixes the in-game reset bug that the previous version introduced. So if you don't use in-game reset this isn't something that you would probably have to worry about but if you're diligent like I am and you like to keep everything on the latest firmware definitely go and do it. And updating firmware on the Ultra HDMI requires a ROM cart and it's as easy as launching a ROM. So the ROM cart thinks it's an N64 game but you launch into it and it flashes the firmware that way. So if you have a ROM cart, it's super easy. If you don't, that's when things get a little more complicated. But um, this is the first group of firmware updates in a long time. The last one I talked about before added some lower latency features and some other stuff. And this basically just cleans up whatever bugs were introduced in the last one. So if you're an Ultra HDMI user, I guess I would just do it. And, you know, I want to always politely remind everybody that, yes, the N64 Digital's out, and it's awesome, and I gushed over it in the N64 video, but that doesn't make the Ultra HDMI any less cool than it already was. So if you already own the Ultra HDMI, and you don't need the smoothing or the scanline features... I would just update the firmware and know that you have a really awesome piece of hardware and there's no reason to upgrade really. And in fact, with new scalers coming out in the next few years, who knows, maybe we'll even get smoothing and scan lines through those uh, scalers with HDMI inputs, making the Ultra HDMI perfect because then any new feature that comes out, you get through the scaler and then you just set the Ultra HDMI to pass through mode or whatever. So I just want to make sure I always tell everybody the Ultra HDMI is awesome. If you're out to buy a new board now today, I would recommend the N64 Digital, but if you already have the Ultra HDMI, it's a killer thing, it's a killer product, I would just enjoy it and like it. So, and if you do have one and you also have a ROM cart, I guess just update the firmware. There's a new open source project that is a PCB replacement for N64 controller packs or memory cards. And while there's a bunch of good things to say, the one thing I will mention is that at the moment, they're not available for sale. So if you're just looking for something, you could press a button, purchase, and have something working arrive at your door. I would strongly recommend the Forever Pack, which is something I've talked about a bunch, so I won't repeat myself. Um, if you're just joining us now and you're not aware, check out the links below in the in the post, and that should explain everything you need. But If you're into do-it-yourself projects or if you want to maybe do a group buy with a few people or something like this, 
I really like this project because it is a drop-in replacement for the original. So maybe your battery's dying in your original controller pack and you were thinking, do I replace the battery or do I replace the whole thing? Or maybe yours is dead. In that case, you could have one of these made and just drop it right in the original. I would still keep your original PCB, just remove the battery so it doesn't leak and spill out all over it and stick it in an anti-static bag because you never know. What if, you know, a couple years from now somebody has an amazing invention for those or something? But point is, you could just have this made, drop it in, and now you could have something that looks and performs just like the original, but with modern chip technology that doesn't require a battery. Now, there are a few other... I don't, know if, I don't know if I want to call them downsides, but not positives in that if you want to do this yourself, there are surface mount components that are not beginner friendly. I've seen people pull it off, but I think it's fair advice to say that intermediate to experts could whip this up pretty quickly, but beginners probably shouldn't. Or if you really want to try it, practice on a whole bunch of other similar stuff first. Everybody can has access to some kind of junk electronics, I'm sure, that you could start practicing on and just pick something that looks the same as this. But generally speaking, I wouldn't really recommend it for things, uh, recommend doing this for beginners. The only other issue with this is I would recommend that the edges are beveled for all of the same reasons that you would want beveled PCB edges and that you don't want this to, to be a square PCB and have it smash into your controller every time you put it in because what will happen is sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't. So you could be in the middle of a game and your game would think that you pulled the memory card out. And a lot, this is very similar to what happened with the Saturns and those older action replays that are the wrong size PCBs and not beveled. It would smash those pins. So now for a lot a lot of people's Saturns, you have to jam a piece of paper behind the memory card or the action replay or the RAM card, otherwise it won't touch. And you don't want that happening to your N64 controller, especially if you have one that's in good working condition with a good analog stick. So you'll either have to order them beveled, which can sometimes be tricky, or you'll have to do it yourself, which I've seen some people do it and it looks just like from the factory. And I've seen some people do it and it looks like B-roll from a horror movie. So just keep that in mind. It's not easy to do that stuff at all. And I know there was a lot of warnings in this, but I just, I want to make sure everybody knows I'm looking at this as a, a happy and positive project, and I'm really glad to see it out there. I just like to curb people's expectations, because I didn't want to talk about this, have people go to the post and be like, well, where can I buy them? You were talking all this happy stuff about it, so... Hopefully that's an even-keeled way of saying it's an awesome project. I hope to see them for sale at some point, but at the moment, it's do-it-yourself only. And if you just want to buy something that works, at, at least today, I would say get the Forever Pack and and just know that that's going to be an awesome solution that you don't have to worry about. It's just going to show up looking exactly like you would expect something like that to. My Life in Gaming just released a video where they tested over 100 Switch games with the new Switch Online retro-style controllers. And no, they didn't test 100 retro games with it on the Switch Online service. It's the opposite. It's what games on the Switch would work well with these types of controllers. And I remember when the controllers first arrived, I actually swung by Destiny's house, and she was trying the N64 controller with more modern Switch games and found a few button mapping issues. And it looks like My Life in Gaming 
basically did that times a million and dug deep into a hundred different games and tried them out with different styles of controllers. And it was pretty neat to hear Corey say that he preferred the N64 controller for certain games because the N64 controller is not one that, that most non-diehard N64 fans really prefer in most cases. So it's kind of funny to see that, but... Uh, Overall, you know, I had the video on while I was working on other stuff and, you know, I I mean this respectfully, but I treated this one like podcast style. So every time it was a game I thought I'd be interested in, I'd put my stuff down I'd kind of look over, check out what they had to say about it, you know, which controller they preferred and then kind of went back. So this is a long one. So decide for yourself, is this a couch view or is this a background view? And usually my life in gaming videos are are couch views for me. I treat them like documentaries and stuff, but I, I really enjoyed having this one on in the background. You know, just just my thoughts on that. So uh, definitely check it out if you were curious to see if you could use any of these controllers on Switch games and what types of Switch games they tested, etc. So uh, I still have my Genesis 3 button one right here. Other than taking pictures of it, I haven't done anything at all with it. So hopefully I'll get around to that at some point and maybe even lag test it through the mister. Okay, this has to be the single most niche product I have ever talked about on the podcast, but I guarantee at least a handful of you will want one, probably more, because this isn't as uncommon as you would think. But do you have the following list of products? Do you have an analog Mega SG FPGA Genesis console? Do you have a Terra Onion Mega SD ROM cart? Do you have a 32X? an analog DAC, and the laser bear bracket that makes sure your 32X sits properly on top of the Mega SG. And do you also, on top of all of that, already use an MSD EXP, which is the expansion board that allows you to put the ROM cart in the Sega CD slot of the Genesis, or in this case, uh, Mega SG, in order to play 32X CD games. If you already have all of that, it's probably working fine, except that you may have noticed that you need to use the pad that came with the Mega SG to prop it up so that it all fits properly and there's no um, and there's no weirdness with the expansion connector. It doesn't bend one way or another. It doesn't look weird. So if you're in that scenario and you also use an original Genesis console as well, that's fine. Leave it alone, and uh, you just have to compensate between switching between the analog console and the original Sega console based on height. However, if your analog console is the only Genesis you use, and this is a setup that you're going to leave plugged in like this, you might want to get a new short case for the MSD EXP. Todd from Todd's Nerd Cave is making one run of these, and all you do is pop the old case off of the expansion adapter, pop this case on with optional dust cover, and everything will sit at the same exact level, meaning you don't have to put anything underneath. Now, it took two minutes just to explain what the heck this is and why you would need it. And the funny thing is, if you don't already have this setup, you're probably shaking your head like, stop talking, Bob, this is too weird. <laughs> but if you do have this setup, it just clicked and you're going to go, oh, yeah, that's totally worth less than 20 bucks just to make everything line up fine. Glad this was made. So, yeah, hands down to Todd for making the most niche thing I've ever talked about. And we talk about some weird shit here sometimes. But, uh, yep, that's a very specific use case. And I guarantee he's going to sell at least a handful of them because there are people with that exact setup. So if you want more details or if you want to reread the ridiculousness because it was too hard to visualize me saying it, check out the post, please. I just reviewed the Jaguar all-in-one analog output adapter from Humble Bazooka, 
And I wanted to do a mini review here right in the podcast. I will skip to the end and say that if you need just composite, just S-video, or HD retrovision cable output via a Genesis 2 port, this thing's awesome. There are no safety issues unless you connect multiple sources with the wrong RGB cable. I'll get to that in a second. But as far as plugging it into any devices, there are no safety issues whatsoever. And it looks great. And that's the one thing I definitely want to make the point of is I always try to make these pictures that I take look the way they do to my eyes. But with 3D printed materials, that's really hard. And the picture I posted doesn't do it justice. I think it looks awesome plugged into the back of a Jaguar. But there are some things to discuss and there are are some scenarios in which you might not want this adapter. No safety issues again, though. I always want to make sure I make that clear in case people are in a commute or only half paying attention. But let's dig right into the review. Or if you don't really care about the Atari Jaguar, you could now skip on to the next section. But digging in, this is an adapter that plugs into the back of the Jaguar that outputs S-video, composite video, and full signals from a Genesis 2 multi-out. So if for whatever reason you wanted to use a Genesis composite video cable, you could. The only thing is the composite video jack on the back of this is shared with the Genesis multi-out. So it's essentially a Y cable circuit, which means you can't plug both in at the same time. Even if one source is off, you have to make sure only one or the other is plugged in. Now, a Syncon C-Sync RGB SCART cable doesn't use composite video, so you could use those two at the same time. But HD retrovision cables, uh, Genesis composite video cables, and maybe a few other things like that would, preventing you from doing that. So that's the only safety issue, but that's not really the fault of the adapter. That's just the way most of these consoles work. This adapter is just providing you a way to break those all out at the same time. However, you can use any other combination, including, if you wanted to, S-Video, Composite Video, and Sync on C-Sync RGB SCART all at the same time right from this thing without worrying about any other issues. The only problem with it is how the Genesis 2 RGB lines output. So once again, sync is a good voltage no matter what. You don't have to worry about it, but it's much dimmer. Now, if you plug in HD retrovision cables, it's pretty much perfect. You don't have to worry. Uh, and in fact, if your use for this is not at all RGB SCART and just HD retrovision, you could probably just stop listening now and just know not to use composite video and HD retrovision at the same time. But you could use HD retrovisions to stream and use S-Video out to go to your TV if you want to game that way with no splitter required or anything else. Um, but overall, if you're using the HDRs, you're good to go. The circuit inside of those takes care of it. However, if you're using an RGB SCART cable, it's going to be much dimmer. And the reason for this is because the Atari Jaguar outputs the RGB lines at the proper voltage, whereas all Genesis consoles output RGBs at the wrong voltage, presumably to save money. So my guess from this was that Sega said, let's take the components from the RGB circuit off of the motherboard and save 20 cents a unit, which, you know, if you're making tens of millions of consoles, that's a huge savings right there. And the reason would be because not many people used RGB output from those consoles. So just include those cables or include those components in the cable not on the motherboard. That way, the only people paying for them are the people who actually use it. So it kind of makes sense. But the unfortunate part of that is it doesn't make the signal easy to translate back and forth. So if you take a Genesis 2 RGB SCART cable and you plug it into this, 
both the components on the Jaguar and the components in this RGB SCART cable will drop the voltage to about two thirds of what it was. So drop the voltage by a third. And if you have a monitor where brightness is very easily accessible, like if you're going directly into an RGB monitor with a brightness knob right in front of you, it's kind of a non-issue. Just toggle it between consoles and stuff like that. But if you're going through scalers, uh, if you need to access a menu to get your, to your brightness controls, that might be a deal breaker right there. And I completely understand because I understand both sides. It seems like, why would you do it that way? Uh, but the alternatives are the tricky part. So Humble Bazooka could have done something like used a Saturn multi-out, but then Saturn cables are harder to find. If you wanted to use HD Retrovision, you also have to buy the adapter. And there's a whole bunch of other Genesis 2 related stuff out there that might work fine and people might not even care about turning the brightness up. Also, they could have added an amp to the circuit, but that's more cost and, once again, global part shortage here. So, you know, that's something that's going to affect the cost of everything. So what would not have been a big deal a year and a half, two years ago, could potentially be a big deal on this one. That would totally solve the issue, and it could even solve the whole uh, using composite video at the same time as something else, because you could just have a four-channel amp that runs that as well. But at the moment, it doesn't look like this adapter is going to have that. Maybe another adapter uh, with a more feature-filled, uh, uh, more features? I don't know why I just drew a blank there. <laughs> another adapter with more features might include that as a bonus. But at least at the moment, Humble Bazooka are going to just kind of be making these as is. Now, the other reason that you might be interested in this is the quality. The board is obviously routed perfectly because with the brightness turned up, artificially in Photoshop. The uh, title screen picture that I took looks perfect. Same with using the HD Retrovision cables. But I also found out that the cables that I were using, the basic RGB SCART cables that I thought were shielded, were not. So if you're watching this on video, you're seeing a zoomed in title screen with a checkerboard pattern, meaning that the cables aren't that good. But you go back to the Humble Bazooka adapter with good shielded cables, and it looks perfect. So you might still want to you know, suffer through changing the brightness up and down if you're using RGB SCART just for that reason alone, because the quality is very good on this one. Um, I have more info and pictures, but generally speaking, I would say if you're looking to use uh, HD Retrovision cables with your Jaguar, and you might also want to use S-Video or Composite separately, this is definitely the one to get. It looks great. It's a good price. Uh, and I, I definitely am, am happy and, and I'm glad I purchased it. If you're predominantly using RGB SCART, maybe hold on. Uh, I think Humble Bazooka is probably going to release something else in the new year that might include an amp. So every everything that uses a Genesis 2 multi-out would work fine with it. So, you know, if you're on the fence about that, and I would hold off. But the good, the good and the bad news is with the part shortage, everything's delayed, everything's back ordered, and everything's taking longer. So by the time you read this, Humble Bazooka will probably even be out of stock. No fault of their own. It's just, it is what it is. So if they are out of stock, at least you have time to decide. Are you only going to be using HD retrovisions and S-Video, or are you going to want to wait for the rest of the, uh, for more functionality from it? But either way, I'm very happy to see products like this. I would love to see them for every single console. I would also love to see them with breakout cables and proper shielding and 
unfortunately that's probably not going to happen because that's a huge undertaking with a lot of things to go wrong and we're just lucky that the jaguar is built in a way where you could make an adapter like this as long as you have somebody like humble bazooka that took the time to make it right and made it safe safety first over the brightness which i agree with i thought that was a smart choice uh, but the fact that you could just plug directly into the back like this i think makes the jaguar a unique use case and that something like this an adapter like this would be much easier to make than for something like a genesis 2 or something like that so if you're interested please check out the post and i will definitely keep people updated as to new products from humble bazooka as they're released and as i buy them to test for my own jaguar castlemania games has just started selling a triad based power supply kit for the sega tower of power genesis 32x and sega cd and these are international kits, meaning they'll work with all regions of those consoles, as well as plug into any AC wall socket. The kit comes with a triad power supply that has different connectors based on what region that you're in that could accept pretty much any AC signal. So it'll work in the US, it'll work in Europe, etc. And it also has a breakout adapter to split the one output to three and then three more pigtail adapters. One would go to any 32X, the other will work with any Sega CD, and then the third goes to either a Genesis 1 or a Genesis 2. And that's the only choice you need to make. In the drop-down menu, just select which Genesis console you're using, and this will handle all three. And I strongly recommend this for anybody who's using a third-party power supply for any one of the three, or if you have aging power supplies, or if you just want to replace three giant power bricks with one reasonably sized power brick to free up space. It has enough power for all three, and it's compatible with all three because the voltage is the same, and the amperage rating for this model PSU is higher than what's needed for all three of these. And just a very quick aside for people who aren't first in the different types of power and what you need to worry about, you always want voltage that's exactly within the tolerance of the device that you're using. Some devices are wider than others, but this one power supply is definitely in the voltage rating of all three. But amperage, as long as you have enough, doesn't really matter. Because unlike voltage, and I know this is a weird analogy, but I think this is a good one. Unlike voltage, amperage isn't sent down the lines. It's there if you need it. So if the total tower of power needed one amp, I'm sure it needs more, I'm just making that up for an example, but if the tower of power needs one amp and you had a one amp PSU, you should probably be fine. Anything lower and it could cause issues, but if you used a two amp, a 10 amp, a million amp, it's just there should the consoles need it. It's not sending that extra power down. So overall, this is definitely a kit that I would strongly recommend picking up. Uh, it's safe. They're well-rated power supplies. As long as you use the correct pigtails, everything should work fine. And it should be a big help for people that just want to free up space or, or, or really just know that you're using a good power supply. Now, there's some more technical info. If you're not interested in that, skip to the next section. But I did want to talk about a few things. First, I normally would never recommend connecting one power supply like this to multiple consoles. But I do think it's perfectly fine and could even be a step up for this scenario. And the reason is, even if you unplug all of the power, you're still co combining all of these consoles with their internal connectors and you're already sharing ground a million different ways here. So you're not going to run into the scenario that any musician who ever had a pedal board would run into and in that sometimes if you have one of those power distributors and you're sharing grounds, you get an audio hum or in the case of consoles, you might get some video interference. And while it 
probably wouldn't cause any harm. I, I would rather be safer when it comes to power. But like I started out saying, since the Genesis 32X and Sega CD all share each other's grounds a bunch of different ways anyway, moving to one PSU could only improve it or make it exactly the same. And the scenario in which it would improve is if one of the three power supplies is failing, or if one of them is a cheap knockoff third party, you might actually get a boost in performance with this because you have one quality power supply powering all three. The only other note about the triads itself um, is something I wanted to address because I do get a bunch of questions on. Um, I actually just launched a new page on the website that showcases just the triad power supplies and give links to where you could purchase them. Uh, if you want the model numbers for international, I linked to Firebrand X's website. He did a whole bunch of research on that as well. And the reason specifically that I've been recommending triads as opposed to any other brand is because of consistency and who's been testing them. So first of all, Triad's a, a bigger company and they probably make these in quantities of 10 or 50 or 100,000 as opposed to small manufacturing runs might be 100, 500, 1,000. So right off the bat, you're having a company that's selling to a wide variety of people, not just retro gaming. And if something were to go wrong, a lot of people would be talking about it. So that's something that is always a bonus when it comes to things like power that's so important. But on top of that, who's testing these meant a lot because I first found out about these from Steve from HD Retrovision, who to say he has an eye for detail is like saying the sun's bright. And he put these on a scope, he tested them under load, he tested many different types under different scenarios, and these are the ones that he found that absolutely work each time. And because of that, those were kind of introduced to the retro gaming world. And then the MD Fourier team took a look at it. And every time an MD Fourier analysis is done on any of the consoles that they're using, if you have a component like a bad power supply, that'll show up. Even if you're not seeing it with your eyes, even if you're not hearing the buzz with your ears, if there was a power supply issue, you would, you, if you knew what you were looking for, you would absolutely see it in the results. So there's discerning eyes constantly buying these things and constantly looking at them. But on top of that, I know quite a few people who, when they've been designing their console specific products, use these because they know that if there's a power issue, they probably wouldn't be related to this. So they don't have to worry about using a 35 year old power adapter, uh, which would skew some results. They would use this. And if this had any issues, they would see it right there on their oscilloscopes in their test data. So this isn't a matter of, oh, a hundred people said they love it because it works. There's tens, if not maybe hundreds of people testing these with solid data to prove that they're consistently good. Whether they bought them two years ago when we first found out about them, whether they bought them yesterday in the middle of a global part shortage, they've consistently been testing well. And that's the reason that I've been only recommending these. And I know that's a backhanded slap in the face to other people who've done a lot of good work procuring quality power supplies. And I feel bad that I have to say it like that, but the unfortunate truth is, how do you know who is doing their diligence? And if you're buying these things in quantities of 100, are you testing every one of them? Because as somebody who's worked in manufacturing and who got burned bad by a power supply company, like I think we had to recall 5,000 computers or something like that. And some of them were already installed. So I had to send a team to replace them on site. Like 
you know, I, I lived through what happens when you get three or four good batches and then they swap parts on you and you get a bad batch. So that's why I'm always so cautious about this. So I mean, no disrespect to other people out there who, who could very well have equal in quality power supplies, but I, I'm only comfortable myself recommending these because of the quantity of people that are testing them and the quality of the test methods constantly being thrown at them. So, you know, if it were a perfect world, I would be able to test all of these with people and I could, I could stay promoting inside the retro gaming world, but it's just over my head. I, I can't keep up with that many. So I'm sticking with the recommendation of the one that I know is good. Now, does that mean should you throw out one that you bought from a retro game store? Depends. Uh, if it's one of those ones that are from a bigger company that's most likely just a rebrand of something else, yeah, probably. If you spent less than five bucks on it, definitely throw that thing in the garbage. But usually those bigger companies will do things like get left, you know, a, a big, even bigger company will order 100,000 and then they'll only need 90,000. So one of the bigger name companies would come up and say, oh, stick our name on that, you know, change the pigtail, that'll fit in a Genesis 2. So we'll, we'll call it a Genesis 2 power supply, but you're getting rebranded junk. And sometimes you'll get rebranded junk that feels heavy because there's weights in it to make it feel more expensive. I swear that's true. Look around, you'll see evidence of that. So I, I just wanted to put a little disclaimer at the end of this for anybody that was wondering why I keep talking about triad power supplies as opposed to trying to promote within the retro gaming world and which I normally only do when possible and that's why so it's not fair it's going to piss a lot of people off it's going to piss off everybody who's gone through the trouble of making sure they have a good power supply and all I could say is I would if I had to choose one or the other, I would rather have a, a good store mad at me than a whole bunch of people whose consoles blew out because I made a recommendation without following my gut. So that might be selfish on my end, but I'll, I'll take it. Retro Game Repair Shop is now selling a $50 HDMI kit for Game Boy Advance consoles that is both awesome and has a bunch of really good advantages to it, but also, you need to have some realistic expectations of a $50 HDMI mod. So I'll run you through it real quick, and then I'll point you to videos to where you can get more info. But basically, this is a mostly plug-and-play kit that plugs into the ribbon cable. So you need to order the kit to match whichever motherboard revision you have, which would determine 32-pin or 40-pin ribbon cable. But essentially, you pop the old one out, you plug this one in its place, and then you solder two wires for audio, or you could leave it off if you, for whatever reason, want to get audio through either the 3.5 millimeter jack or use the built-in speaker, which probably isn't the best idea. But uh, So two wires are the only thing that's needed for soldering. You do need to cut the plastic to fit the HDMI jack, so you'll probably want to use an aftermarket case if you have a really nice condition original Game Boy Advance shell. And... That's basically it. Now, the kit will not allow you to use your original screen, but there are some IPS screens that are compatible with it. So if you wanted to use that, you could have a dual-purpose device. And that's basically it. So you could plug all this stuff in. You could have just an HDMI device, or you could have it so that uh, you have the IPS screen installed, and when you plug the HDMI in, the screen turns off and the HDMI activates, so you can't do both at the same time, but you can do one at a time. So the plus on this, it's 50 bucks. 
that's amazing. Most people could probably install this themselves with very minimal installation and soldering skills, or, or for whatever reason you just didn't want to solder at all, you could just use the audio from the out uh, from the 3.5 millimeter out. So ease of installation and cost are awesome about this thing. Also, if you're somebody that mostly plays in handheld mode and only occasionally wants to stream or occasionally wants to play on a TV, you don't really want to spend all the money that would be required to get one of the better solutions out there. So this could definitely be the perfect solution for you. However, the video output is 480p, it's not integer scaled, and I don't think the aspect ratio matches to the original, which unfortunately means that if you're looking for a high quality solution, this one's not for you. You're going to want the Game Boy interface software via a GameCube and the Game Boy Player, or you're going to want Woozle's Game Boy Advance Consoleizer. But both of those are much more expensive. Both of those are more complicated. And while the Game Boy interface is mostly plug and play, you still have to figure out how to boot homebrew. So depending on your skills and your, uh, your setup and what parts you already own, either of those other ones might not be that hard, or it could be very complicated and expensive depending on what you need to buy. So Basically, if you're looking for the best HDMI out you could get, this isn't for you. Or if you're somebody that wants the game on a CRT, the cheap kit that's very similar to this that outputs composite video might be a better choice. And I believe it outputs 240p and the correct aspect ratio. I haven't tried one myself, so I'm just kind of going off a of memory from what other people have said. So those are other options that are better, but if you're in the scenario of you just want something that works or you want something to hold you over this is a great choice. If you want any more info on it, I strongly recommend checking out Tito for Macho Nacho Productions. He had a full video showing all of the features and the installation. And also Mako did a video on it as well that's more of a real-time installation. So it's longer, but it kind of shows all, all steps in real time. Uh, and of course, if you want more info on the other stuff, check out the video I, I did a while back about the HDMI consoleizer from Woozle. So overall, it's awesome. And I love that there's choices. It's just this one might not be for everybody. Well, everybody, that's it for this week. If you heard a dog running around in the last couple sections, this is Sailor, my dog-in-law, my brother-in-law's dog is staying with us today. She is absolutely adorable and really well behaved, but I forgot that her collar was making noise. So sorry if they got picked up on video, but Sailor and I both would like to thank you for your support. She couldn't possibly give a shit about it. <laughs> would like to thank you for, for watching, listening, playing nicely in the comments. And of course, thank you for everybody's supports because anybody who supports could... Uh, could make sure that Sailor gets another belly rub and another tennis ball to chew on whenever she's not listening to me drone away on video. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you next week.